To another episode of your friendly neighborhood film cast, a weekly movie podcast where we spread the good word about cinema. I am your host, Jack, and with me is returning guest, the extraordinary Lydia. Hello, I am so excited to be talking with you about one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I'm so excited. Let's do this. I would completely agree with that statement. The movie that we are talking about is the criminally underrated pop star Never Stop, Never Stopping. The 2016 film directed by, I'm hoping I pronounce his name correctly, Yorma Tacone and Akiva Schaefer, both members of The Lonely Island. And it is described as, Childhood friends Connor, Owen, and Lawrence found fame and fortune after forming the hip-hop group The Style Boys, with a Z, might I add. Owen and Lawrence faded into the background when frontman Connor left the band to launch a successful solo career. Now the egotistical singer decides to film a documentary about his life while he's still on top. When his second album flops, the camera is there to capture his world come crashing down. So, Lydia, I'm interested to hear how you discovered this movie, considering that it, it's not uh, as well-known as I think it should be, and what are your overall thoughts? You know, you mentioned that it came out in 2016, but I thought it came out way before then. I feel like this movie has been a fabric of my life for many, many mm-hmm. moons, you know, long, long time. It is, like you said, it's criminally underrated. I love a good music documentary, even though they are all basically the same. So recently I've seen the Blackpink documentary that came out on Netflix and the Jonas Brothers documentary. Anything about the music industry is fascinating to me. But (laughs) Popstar takes the cake. I can't remember when I saw it or who I saw it with, but I think it was in theaters back when we could go to theaters safely. And with a bunch of friends in college, having a blast. And that's the thing about this movie. It's full of humor. It's full of heart. It's goofy and it's cheerful, even when it's dark sometimes. This movie has one of my favorite, like some of my favorite one-liners ever, like of all time. The, um, the 30 seconds to Mars moment is one of my favorites. (laughs) Okay. I actually wrote it down so I could share it. Okay. Perfect. So Connor, this rock star, is talking to his manager. So his manager says, Connor, you were up there for like 10 seconds. And Connor says, that's a third of the way to Mars. And the manager says, Connor, we've talked about this. 30 seconds to Mars is the name of a band, not a fact. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's golden. So... (laughs) The Lonely Island, I don't know about you, but The Lonely Island has always been like a big miss or a big hit for me. Like I yes. either love what they do or I'm just I'm just bored. So like their baseball short, some people loved that, but I I quit after like 10 minutes. I was not interested. But I've seen Popstar like 8 times <laughs> because it's so good. It is a beautiful parody of the pop music industry. I love this endless stream of cameos. 
from the Lonely Islands, like, comedy circle and beyond. Right? I mean, I love when celebrities guest stars themselves for just a moment. Like, um, in Deadpool 2, when Brad Pitt is there, <laughs> just, for, just for an instant. Yeah. Or um, Elton John is in Kingsman, the Golden Circle. And he's, like, held hostage. <laughs> and he saves the main character yes. for a moment. Or, like, in Ocean's 8 at the Met Gala that Serena Williams is interviewed. Like, those little moments when celebrities are in random movie cameos. How in the world did these boys get Madonna <laughs> to joke about her own ego in a movie so beautifully? Oh, wait. Is it Mariah Carey? Oh, my God. It is Mariah Carey. <laughs> okay. Because when you said Madonna, I kept thinking back, like, when did she show up? Oh, my in God. This? That's... Okay. Madonna would have been hilarious there. But Mariah Carey, yeah, it was definitely Mariah Carey. I'm the most humble person. I know. I mean, that's beautiful. Actually, I'll ask this. What is your favorite gag in this whole movie? My favorite recurring gag is TMZ. So I was going to say, yeah, I do have a few gags, but I wasn't sure if those would be spoilery or not. So I'm kind of waiting to save them for the spoiler section. No, it's kind of hard to tell because... If you look at just the plot of this movie, it's nothing fancy. It's nothing innovative. You see where it's going from, like, minute 12. Mm -hmm. But that's not the point. Like, we know the plot. Every music documentary has the same plot. What we're looking at is the characters and the comedy, right? So it's kind of hard to... I was thinking, like, what are the spoilers for this movie? I kind of don't know. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I kept a few that I'm like, maybe someone would consider this a spoiler, and that's where some of the gags come in play, so I'm just going to keep it there. But I do want to mention one thing when you talked about Elton John being in the second Kingsman movie. Isn't it wild <laughs> that he is in the same movie as the actor who ends up playing him in his biopic? Yes! yes! Why don't people talk about that? Thank you. <laughs> that is such a big deal. Yes. That's so funny. Oh, that I, the Kingsman movies are so good. Such a good spy movie. But anyway, let's talk about the music in this movie. Because the thing about it is that they're all ridiculous, awful songs that are incredibly catchy and beautiful. Mm-hmm. I get I'm So Humble, like, stuck in my head weekly. I know all of the words. I sing it to myself if I'm, like, feeling down. It's like, bar none, I am the most humblest. Done. My mood is better. That's a good song to have stuck in your head, for sure. With my background, I was intrigued by the concept, and I I never saw a trailer for it, but I, I was intrigued enough by the premise and just by the fact that The Lonely Island was involved that I thought, oh, maybe I'll see this in theaters, but then it wasn't in theaters for very long because it didn't do so well at the box office, which is such a shame. But such then shame. Um, the following year when it was on HBO, I just figured, oh, it's on here now. I'll watch it. And I was just shocked at how funny it was, considering that nobody was talking about it. And I will say that I have shown this to several friends over the years, not just when it when I first discovered it, but I've peppered it throughout various groups of friends, and it's always gone over really, really well. So it's not just you and I that feel this way. Anyone that has seen this movie that I know of really, really likes it. It's kind of like a litmus test. 
You know, if you like this movie and think it's funny, you're going to like me and think I'm funny. (laughs) So you kind of have to like it (laughs) for us to be friends. That's how it works. Yeah, it's like if you have friends that have the same sense of humor or I think that that really helps a lot. But this movie knocks out more jokes per minute than any other movie I've seen. And there's usually like a lull towards the latter half of a movie where things get a little bit more serious and they're not as funny. But with this one, even during the more quote-unquote serious parts, I still think that there's a ton of hilarious jokes. Like, it's just funny throughout the entire thing. And it's like such a brilliant satire kind of like you were saying, of just how much of a joke the music industry is. And even though it's gotten, I I would say, maybe a little bit worse in the past couple of years, it's still, it still feels fresh right now. I'm sure that it won't in 20 years, but right now it, it does still feel pretty relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. You know, like one of the bits is it mocks how celebrities overshare everything. They think everyone yeah. cares about every detail of their life. Like Connor's YouTube sequence. And Mm -hmm. the proposal where he invites the media and a bunch of wolves and Seal. You know, like, it also talks about how famous people deal with rejection. Which is, Mm -hmm. they don't. It's not, they don't do it well. (laughs) They don't deal with rejection in a healthy way. So, very relevant to celebrity and fame. Regardless of the details of our time. I kind of think it'll stand up, at least in some ways, for a while now. Oh, yeah. And I think just the the fact that it's kind of spoofing various pop stars throughout the ages. I mean, you might have a couple of more modern takes, modern celebrities like Justin Bieber, but then I feel like there's a little bit of shade thrown at Justin Timberlake, and he was more our generation's version of a pop star than Justin Bieber is, so... And um, there was some One Direction shade in there, like Katy Perry... I feel like Mm -hmm. there were so many music documentaries that came out around that time or right before 2016 that this was great timing. This was great timing. It was all in conversation and they looked at those movies and thought, we can do this better and funnier. And it has a lot of heart too. Like I think that the central story of Connor and his friendship with Lawrence and oh my gosh, I just said his name. Owen. Owen, thank you. I think that, I don't know, has a very sweet little story to it, too. Yeah. There's so much heart. And I mean, the whole movie parallels The Lonely Island in some ways, right? Because in real mm-hmm. life, Andy Samberg is the famous one. He, you know, SNL and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't even know mm-hmm. the names of the other two off the top of my head. And you've already said them <laughs> in this episode. You know, you've talked about them, and I yeah. already can't remember. Because Andy Samberg is so much more visible. So did that cause friction? Like, was this whole movie in response to a fight that happened and was resolved? I don't know. But there are some parallels for sure. To get everything out in the open, do you want to go into quote-unquote spoiler territory? Sure. Yes, I'm ready. Okay. We're doing our little quick costume change into something that says spoilers. I know I have to th- talk about the costume change on stage for poor Perfect Connor timing. for real. <laughs> that is the beginning of his downfall, which I guess is the spoiler kind of that he, when he starts losing 
and dealing mm-hmm. with rejection. I, you can't get more masterful than Connor for real going down in a downward spiral, going back to Sacramento or wherever, going to his childhood home, drawing in crayon the worst horses that I've ever seen and selling them online for $11. (laughs) It's a masterpiece. (laughs) So funny. A little sad, but really mostly funny. So this was kind of a thing, too, that I wasn't sure if it was a spoiler or not. And I'm like, well, maybe because we... For the longest time, everyone's kind of wondering why Lawrence has become a farmer. And throughout the whole thing, it doesn't look like he's very good at farming. And then you get that reveal that it's a pot farm. And that's one of my one of my favorite little jokes is when he's like pointing out all the different strains. And one of them is named Witch's Titty. I laughed so hard the first time that he said that. Oh, now I'm thinking of him in his wood shop go- showing the camera all of his pieces. He's yes. like, this is my poppy. You'll notice that it's not real. This one is called The Collapse of the Government. It's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> it's so funny. He's in his wood shop, running a pot farm, hating his life, <laughs> writing down all of his incredible thoughts in a journal. Oop. Yeah, oh my gosh. And the CMZ... TMZ parody is probably the hardest I have laughed at anything and I can't even tell you how long like I get endless joy from watching that because TMZ is maybe not the bane of my existence but it's maybe one of a couple of banes of my existence and of your existence does it come like does it come up a lot no i just i really don't like tmz as a concept as like anything that they do i just find them very obnoxious and invasive but that's another story for another day but i i think that this was such a brilliant parody of that and i think my favorite part is that everyone's drinking those huge cups of water they just keep getting bigger and bigger more and more like straws Mm -hmm. I think too like I don't remember the details yeah and it's so good and funny and I don't watch TMZ but I looked it up and it's so similar to what really happens and I bet famous like those celebrities had a lot of fun poking fun at TMZ oh yeah which exists to make their lives a living hell every day like TMZ deserves it exactly yeah that that was perfect (laughs) and it's incredible how many people have cameos in this movie. I'm curious, do you have a favorite one? That's a very tough question. <laughs> um, I think the one that surprised me the most might have been Michael Bolton. Yeah. I did not, and that just came so far out of left field, but I do think the Madonna slash Mariah Carey at the beginning was just so beautifully done. I also, every time I watch it, I forget that Pink is in that music video for Mm -hmm. the um, gay rights. (laughs) And then afterwards, they're like, gay marriage is already legal. I don't know what he's singing about. Like, that's just, it's beautiful. Who's your favorite? I have to say, I think this is just based on the fact of how thrown off I was at it. When Ringo Starr appears just to shout, doink to doink. Yes. Oh, that one is so good. And who's the guy, the older guy? Oh, and Snoop Dogg? When he's there yeah. and he's like, it's Snoop Dogg, motherfucker. Or when that 
old guy from the West Wing, whose name I can never remember, like gets to punch Andy Sandberg in the face. Yes. Oh my! Is it Martin <laughs> Sheen? Was that who Martin it was, Sheen? or was it another oh, guy? Norton Sheen. Yeah, I think it is him. Okay. I don't know celebrity names to be honest, but yes, I saw that and I was like, how fun would that be to pitch to be like you just get to punch me in the face and move on with your life (laughs) oh i think my favorite celebrity cameo scene is not the most famous person it's um bill Hader, um who uh, no surprise that he's in this movie because all the snl bros are but um (laughs) his job is to keep the guitars in tune and his hobby is flatlining (laughs) which just means coming to the point of death and then being shocked back to life once a week. Bonkers. <laughs> so funny. Every time you watch it, there's someone you forgot was in it. Yeah, exactly. And like, how did they afford this? <laughs> how did they pitch? I want to I wanna see a recording of like what Andy Samberg and co. said to Mariah Carey to convince mm-hmm. her to make fun of her own ego on camera. <laughs> I want to see that. And speaking of Mariah Carey, have you seen the Lego Batman movie? I have not. Somehow I'm guessing, is she in it? <laughs> should I should I spoil it for you? Okay. Yeah. She has a very small voice cameo as the mayor of Gotham City. It didn't <laughs> have to be her, but it is her. I mean, they did have to pick her. <laughs> you know, I rewatched that movie last, this movie last week, and I think the biggest takeaway for me is that not a single moment not a single plot point in this movie is more ridiculous than things that have really happened in Mm -hmm. the music industry right i think back to that awful scene (laughs) where connor for real takes a shit in the anne frank museum which is disgusting and gross and rude and unacceptable Uh but it's nowhere near as surreal as when justin bieber was like I hope Anne Frank would be a believer in the museum guest book. That really actually happened. Mm-hmm. I'll never get over it. And like not a single moment in this movie was as cringe as that Imagine video in March. No. Nope. With all the celebrities. <laughs> not even close. The Lonely Island, they could never come up with something that cringe. That's the thing about this movie. As ridiculous as it is, it's not even close <laughs> to the real things famous people have actually done beautiful yeah which i think just kind of proves to how funny the movie is itself that even if it's not trying to shock you and trying to do things that haven't already been done before by actual people in real life it's still so amusing and so funny that's what makes even though you know it's fake it's very believable Mm -hmm. i'm like half convinced that this is a real situation that has actually happened. Because it could happen any moment, any day. There's that conversation. I know we're bouncing back and forth, but this movie, you just think of things. That conversation where they're all three getting together and like reuniting at the farm. When Connor for real is like, I helped write the verse. Well, actually, I didn't help write the verse. But I was in the room. Well, actually, I was late that day because of traffic. Actually, I wasn't there at all. <laughs> such a dick to his friends something else that it's like normally under well i guess the whole thing is just so ridiculous but under normal circumstances like when maximus dies and he's having that memorial service yes! <laughs> in the pool 
Maximus is a turtle, and it's his best friend since childhood, and then the turtle dies. And Connor, Andy Samberg, has a memorial service. They put the turtle on a floating raft in the pool. And don't they shoot it with an arrow on fire? Or do they just light a firework or something? I think they do both. Like a Viking? Yeah. (laughs) And then they have a pool party and he's just standing there sad in the middle. That's the thing. I've seen this movie, again, like eight times. And I cry with like laughing every single time I watch it. It's like you never get desensitized to any of the jokes. Like, it's still so funny. There's that moment. I keep saying that. There are so many moments when they're going to find Lawrence and Mm -hmm. Owen's like, Connor's reading this book. It's called, like, How to Be a Good Friend. And that confirms that he knows how to read, which is great. (laughs) Oh, man. Let's talk about the final song, Incredible Thoughts. I think it's incredibly catchy, ironically. What do you think about this? I mean, we have Michael Bolton. We have the saxophone. We have Justin Timberlake dressed as a fish. Then we have the cameos of famous people in the crowd. Like, what are your thoughts on that final scene? I get chills every time, which is so dumb, but I do. No, that's incredible to get chills. I, um... For me, I really like the performance aspect of it, and I think it's very funny to see everyone in the audience when you see all those random celebrity cameos, but I will say that I don't think it's the best song of the movie. What are your, now I'm curious, what's your rank, like, what are your favorite songs in the movie? I don't even know what the ranking would be, just I kind of expected a little bit more from the song itself, if that makes sense, and it's not even that I thought about that the first time I watched it, just because I was so absorbed in the performance aspect of it that I wasn't thinking about the song itself. But just upon like rewatching it, I do feel like, oh, it would have been better if they had like maybe a funnier song to end on. But yes, it's it's only funny when you think about how ridiculous it all is tied together. The lyrics themselves yeah. are super funny. And then it's combined with this fake nostalgia for the Style Boys, which mm-hmm. It's not like we, it's not real. It's not like the Backstreet Boys had a cameo, right? It's this created fictional band. So the nostalgia isn't real for us. So it's not as fun as it could be. I totally agree. I do think it's hilarious that Michael Bolton is in it though. Yes, absolutely. And that Justin Timberlake is dancing around. Now, okay. So if I had to rank these songs based on the things that I listen to even <laughs> way too often... I'm So Humble is my personal favorite. And I think my secret embarrassing second favorite is Finest Girl. Yes. I, Finest Girl. That I might be my favorite. <laughs> that one. It's so catchy and it's so inappropriate. Have you seen the music video for it? Like the separate full music video No, for but it? I need to. I didn't know that it existed, so. Immediately after this. It has the yeah. girl on SNL with the really big teeth smile. Vanessa something. Yeah, she plays Vanessa the girl. Bayer. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you get to see the rest of the lyrics, and it's just, wow. It's it's very good. Yeah, Finest Girl. And I think the third one might be Incredible Thoughts. But also, Mona Lisa, you're an overrated piece of shit, is... <laughs> they're all so good. That's the problem. It's so embarrassing. But, I mean, they're all good. And the Equal Rights song. Oh, my God. He's every straight white male who's like scared 
being called gay like it's an insult. And <laughs> it's such a funny, serious song. It's I Oh yeah. They did so well. They picked an issue that's literally not a problem. It's resolved. And made Andy Samberg and Pink sing this anthem about it. And <laughs> oh well, they're so brave, you know, taking a stand on this issue that's already solved. It's already legal. It's mm-hmm. fine. So Yes, beautifully done. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? The verse that made Connor for real famous. I was just about to mention that. Yeah, the catchphrase verse is another top favorite of mine. So who was the person who whose track it was? The fam- Wasn't it a famous? Oh, it was Emma Stone. It was Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about her too. I was like, what is she doing here? So Emma Stone's character sings a song Connor for real has a track or a verse or I don't know I'm not a a verse in a song and he decides to do catchphrases but he can't pick one so he does like 15 of them everything that was in his drafts just in a row (laughs) and then you have the cameos of famous people commenting on how genius that was Mm -hmm. so good I think my favorite catchphrase out of that verse is Patrick Stewart money (laughs) I can't even begin to pick, but that's a great one. You know what? I could probably pick, but I can't remember. Because <laughs> there's like 25 of them in a yeah, row. There are so many. Well, the one he it's he sticks with something. is doink to doink, which is the worst one. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. It's a perfect movie to watch if you're a little down. Because... You're like, life is okay. At least I'm not famous. <laughs> I don't have to deal with any of this. And I can also jam out to good music. So I have to recommend it highly to everyone. You know, it's also a good movie to use as a conversation starter. Like, I have literally made a friend before at a bar because I brought up this movie and they'd seen it and liked it. Hey, now we're friends. <laughs> That's <laughs> perfect. this movie isn't well known enough. And so the, if you know, you know. You're in the club. You're here for life. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, indeed. There's another, which, in the whole grand scheme of things, this isn't even that iconic of a line, but it's just a line that gives me strength every day when I'm out in public, which thankfully isn't, like, ever anymore. But back when I had to, you know, be a a quote-unquote participating member of society and go places <laughs> at the very end when um tim meadows character tony and trying to think of the other character's name the rapper? yes uh, i don't remember the rapper's name i wish i could rapper. remember i know he's supposed to be like tyler the creator like i know that yeah <laughs> that's who they're spoofing i think so those two are arguing and just out of nowhere tim meadows as tony it just escalates to the point where he just starts screaming i will eat your head i will eat your head and like it really threw me off the first time i saw it just because like it just gets so insane like the insults that he's throwing at him but it It is from a two to an eight yes like out of nowhere but at the same time that line gives me such strength when I'm out in the world because I just think that like (laughs) if anyone even looks at me wrong 
I'm thinking internally in Tim Meadows' voice, I will eat your head. I will eat your I love head. that. I love that we've both internalized this movie for confidence. Yes. Well, I'm so humble to me if I like feel imposter syndrome before an interview or something. And you <laughs> imagine eating people's faces or screaming it at them at least when you're in public and they step over, you know, it's that's the thing about this movie, right? Who knew it had such everyday implications, honestly? It's an it's a masterpiece. And the Lonely Island deserves more credit for it. People need to be talking about this movie more. It's up to us. They do. And I will I will give a song recommendation because this is a song that I heard on a a podcaster's little Patreon playlist that they do. I guess I should explain this more. So all fantasy everything is possible. Probably, yes, it is my favorite podcast that I listen to, and I occasionally subscribe to the Patreon when I can throw a couple of bucks, and one of the things that they do is create a Spotify playlist every month, and on one of the playlists that they created last year was a song called Clorox Wipe by Chromio, and let me just say that if Connor For Real were a musician in the year 2020, <laughs> this would definitely be a song that he would sing. So just just give it a listen and keep that in mind. It sounds like it would fit perfectly in with his other discography. That is so good to know. I will absolutely take a listen. I Now that you say it, I desperately want to hear his take on the coronavirus. Can you imagine the YouTube videos he would create? The interviews, like, clips he would give. Oh, man. Oof. Oof, indeed. Well, do you have anything else you want to talk about in regards to Pop Star? Never Stop, Never Stopping? Such a good title, right? I will say the hardest part is finding this movie. Like, it wasn't streaming anywhere. I order. I mean, it might have been on something, but nothing that I've had access to i got it on dvd for seven (laughs) dollars why had i not had this on dvd before i don't know but it's worth the investment go see pop star it is definitely worth the investment and yeah you should i would just say go ahead and buy it because then you have it you don't have to pay a monthly (laughs) subscription fee anywhere to keep watching it you just pay the one seven dollar fee and then you have it forever hopefully you know what's funny when i got the dvd i mean like when's the last time i purchased a physical dvd but you know how sometimes back in the day when we would buy them they used to have little flyers in it for like here's the free digital copy or like here's an an update the one i got the flyer the promotion expired in 2016 oh my gosh i thought that was so funny i was like i mean i guess i was like yes free digital copy I can give it to Jack. And then, nope. Oh, no. (laughs) A little old. That's okay. Still totally worth it. The songs will be in your head forever. They certainly will. Well, now I have to ask you, Lydia, have you watched any good movies or TV shows lately? It's been a while since we've chatted about these, so I, I can't wait to hear what you have for me. I will start by saying I have never seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But I decided to start watching it a couple of days ago, and I'm like three episodes into season two. 
And what I've learned so far is that it's very funny. And they're all bad people, which is the only reason any of these jokes mm-hmm. slide. Like, there's no excuses. There's no saving grace. They're all just horrible people. Why is there not a show like this? Like, this makes total sense. Sometimes you just need that. I've laughed hard every time. So, <laughs> but when, when it comes to more quality, like, movie recommendations, I haven't watched these recently, but I've been thinking about them recently. And we have talked about them before, so I doubt there will be any surprises for you and I. But Annihilation has been on my mind. I think it's a fantastic movie. It's one of those, like, epic sci-fi movies that aren't super appreciated now, but I think will be. So, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I know that's very high praise, but I think Annihilation is up there. It's really good. And then along that same line, like, You mentioned Ex Machina. Such a chilling, horrifying, good, beautiful movie. It's like, I don't think I'll ever have the stomach to watch it again. But, oh, it's so good. (laughs) I Yeah. It's essentially along the same vein. Although I would watch Annihilation again. And I've also been thinking about Arrival, which is a sad movie, but very good, with Amy Adams. Mm Mm-hmm. It's about linguistics and aliens and language and time travel, kind of. It's just a lot of fun. So I've been in the mood for sci-fi, and instead I've been watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So take from that what you will. (laughs) Those are all great recommendations, including It's Always Sunny. You have such a long road ahead of you in terms of the wild episodes that you're going to watch, and I'm definitely interested to hear updates yeah i've already picked up a lot of references like reaction gifts or like memes i've already seen some (laughs) i know there's Mm -hmm. gonna be more i'm gonna understand now oh yeah i'm thrilled to hear updates about this and uh yeah i know that we've talked off mic about um annihilation ex machina arrival but yeah i do have to say I don't know if I will ever watch Ex Machina again in full but uh sometimes I watch the dance scene online yeah there was that Twitter account that would put that dance scene to any song that people submitted Uh in one of those so funny I just I think about the end of that movie a lot and I get really freaked out (laughs) just like what a horrible way to to die I will say without telling you who's gonna die Oscar Isaac is in it which is funny because He's also in Annihilation, and I love Oscar Isaac. But in Ex Machina, he's, like, Mm -hmm. bald head, beard, very, like, stocky, built wrestler. Or not wrestler, like, lifting weights, weightlifter kind of guy. And I don't see him as that. I see him (laughs) as more a fit artist, so it doesn't really vibe with me as much. But, yeah, if you're into robots and artificial intelligence, you'll like Ex Machina. Annihilation is more... um, Like I said, it's one of those long sci-fi movies. And I don't really mean long as in time. I just mean as in feeling, I guess. It feels important. It's got Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac. And The Shimmer. Ooh. So if you like both of those, I can't say that this is a recommendation from me personally because... I tried watching this show and it was just a little bit too slow moving for me, but... I I might eventually give it another shot. I've just heard that 
there's not much payoff to it. So I'm like, at this point, should I even try watching it? But it's called Devs. Hilarious intro. <laughs> I know. It's like so long-winded, but I figure I might as well tell you. It's um on Hulu and it's called Devs. And it has the same director as Ex Machina and Annihilation, Alex Garland. And so it it looks very well made. Yeah. I mean, of course it's well made. I don't know what I'm saying, but like you might like it more than I did. I just couldn't get into it. And when I tried to see where it was going to go, like should I even bother trying to get back into it? I heard not many people were satisfied with it. So I'm like, eh, I, I'm okay with not spending eight hours on it. But if... If that's your jam, you might really like it. That is great to know. And I will also say, I'm very much in the camp of, like, stop watching TV shows if you don't like them. Stop reading books if you don't like them. Life is short. Yes. Do things that you like. No shame. Yeah. And there's so much out there in the world that if you stick with every single thing, you're really depriving yourself of finding something that you might like way more. Here's another little recommendation. If you like, you know, sitcoms that are funny, have you seen Superstore? That's another one that I've tried watching and I I haven't been able to get into it, but I know that other people like it. I I have not been in a sitcom headspace lately, which I know sounds weird because I think right now a lot of people are more attuned to wanting to watch sitcoms, but throughout this whole wacky mess of a almost an entire year at this point I just haven't wanted to watch sitcoms I've been more in a really I don't want to say dark but I've just been I think because I'm just like I'm like should I say this should I not because I've become so numb and desensitized it's way easier to watch more harrowing stuff in general not that that's a good thing but yeah I'm just cramming it all in right now (laughs) yeah this is the time (laughs) you know I will say this recent season of Superstore is particularly funny to me because it's the only show I watch that has it's set place now it's set place in 2020 Mm -hmm. 2021 the pandemic is here it's essentially making fun of how corporate America does not give a shit about this Mm. pandemic. (laughs) So, like, you know, the workers are all, like, how do we get, how do we keep safe? How do we use these materials? Like, how do we deal with this new world? So that, I do, and it's set in St. Louis, which is kind of funny. So they talk about, like, Six Flags, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I know that place. (laughs) So, yeah. If anyone listening likes a good sitcom, I recommend it, even though Jack doesn't. Maybe... You can be the deciding vote. Any listener. <laughs> Let us know what you think of And I don't want it to sound like I I don't like it. Just it I don't have the patience to stick with it because I know it gets better. Just yeah. You know, it's like how when I'm sad, I don't want to watch happy movies to make myself happier. I want to m- watch really sad movies. So why that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from your dark movie taste right now you're like life kind of sucks i'm going to lean into it yeah for sure there we go (laughs) something makes sense in there so what recommendations do you have for us so i know that we'll eventually be talking about this so i won't say much about it now but i did watch thoroughbreds for the first time last week and uh 
I'm very interested to talk to you about it. It's quite a different movie than, uh, like, you can't really fit it into a box by any means. I guess I couldn't say it's genre-bending, but it it's just hard to describe without giving a lot away. So I think that the way you initially described it in our Knives Out episode about sociopathic teenagers who decide to commit a crime is the perfect uh, little way to describe the, the movie without giving too much away. So I watched that and we'll eventually be talking about it. I've been watching WandaVision, which now we can talk about it. Before we started recording this episode, I was like, I think I'm going to save my thoughts for being on mic. So yes. I just watched the third episode literally right before we hopped on to start recording. So I will say that it's getting better. I don't dislike it at all, but it's very much a slow burn at this point. And I'm intrigued enough that I'm sticking with it. And I really like all of the weird experimental stuff that they're doing but I think my threshold for weird is just a little bit higher like I I want too many cooks level of absurdity and other people seem to think it's really weird but I think just I'm I just want something a little bit weirder than what I'm getting but it's not that I dislike it at all it's just eventually there's going to be payoff and it's going to be stuff that will be recontextualized we're just not quite there yet but I like how different it is I like to hear that they are being experimental because that is what is implied in the trailer and sometimes you'll do weird stuff in the trailer Mm -hmm. and then the show is just whatever but I'm glad that they're continuing that thread I mean I mentioned before this recording I don't like the character of Wanda because I'm a Tony Stark enthusiast and she was not very nice to him But I think Elizabeth Olsen is great, and I think Paul What's-His-Name is great, and I think they have really good chemistry. So do you think that shines through the show? Like, does this seem like a good fit for them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany have way better comedic timing than you would expect, and they kind of get to show that off in a fun way, and uh, it's really a good showcase for them. And I do really like it. I think it's just more, it's becoming less and less like a standard sitcom, but right now it's too sitcom-y for me than I would care for. Right right now. Yeah, and just because I don't like the traditional sexism and patriarchal roles, matriarchal roles that sitcoms kind of force down your throat and... Yeah, like the sitcoms from the 90s that I'm sure your my parents definitely watched, like... Everybody Loves Raymond and yeah, King of Queens, where it's super sexist. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm Yeah, getting. and not that, like, that is a reflection of what they want to get across, just because it takes place during those different times. That's kind of, like, they're, they're upholding the values of the time, also kind of doing, like, a wink-wink at it, but I don't know. It's just too standard for me right now, and I know a lot of people will say, what are you talking about? It's so weird. It's not that it's not weird. I just want way weirder. How many episodes are we talking? It's, there's three episodes so far. I'm sure that it's going to get oh way weirder and uh oh it's like a slow release it's every week or something yeah they aired the first two episodes last week and now it's going to be one episode a week which i i do like i enjoy 
patiently waiting week by week for something to unfold. So I like being able to be on the same wavelength with people in the world where I'm not as much a fan of the binge mode viewing experience. I can't talk. When's the, I don't, I'm trying to think of the last show that happened with, and I think it might've been Game of Thrones, which is not something I've thought about in a long, long time. But whenever it would come out every week, it was a whole social experience. Everyone yeah. would, our entire student apartment complex, we'd all, like all of our friends would gather in one room and watch it every week. That's the last time I can remember waiting on a show to come out every week. It's kind of beautiful. Very Charles Dickens-esque throwback. It really is. <laughs> and uh, one more movie that I did watch this past weekend that I would highly recommend is Phantom Thread. Ooh, that's a great title. It's so good. It is a Paul Thomas Anderson film, and it supposedly is the last movie Daniel Day-Lewis will make because he announced that he was retiring from acting after making this movie. Who knows if that'll stick? Maybe maybe he will rise once again at some point. But for now, this is his last role, and uh, it's it takes place in the 1950s in the fashion world in London, and he's a fashion designer. I won't give much away, but it's beautifully shot. And the performances are good. And uh, it's just a pretty movie. Very pretty to look at. There's lots of breakfast food and nice gowns. And it's just not too dark either, which is good. A palatable dark. Do you get in the mood to make and or eat breakfast foods when you watch this movie? I did really want to eat breakfast food after watching it. I still haven't yet, but it's been on my mind since I watched it. That sounds great. I will put that on my list. Yeah, it's on HBO Max right now. So if you have that, or if you just have HBO, because I watched it on regular TV HBO and then found out it was on HBO Max a couple of hours later. So we've got our bases covered. But uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I've watched more stuff, but those are the, the highlights, I would say. I am very excited to talk about Thoroughbreds and hear more of your thoughts on that movie, for sure. Very different vibe from Popstar. A very different vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Literally opposite end of the spectrum. It, it truly is. Like, it's so funny that we're talking about Popstar and then in the recommendations. Way different vibe. Lydia, do you have anything that you would like to plug at this time? Well, you can always find me on Twitter, and I love talking about movies and books and annoying things about celebrity culture. So hit me up. All right. And you can find the podcast on Twitter at YourFNFilmCast. Uh, the email address is friendlyneighborhoodfilmcast at gmail.com. Until next time. <laughs>